We're a growing family after God's heart. So as a family, I feel it is my duty to give a word of, it, of advice to all husbands for 2015. So listen up, husbands. This is for you. This word will help you succeed in this upcoming year. Here it is. Never question your wife's judgment. All right? I got a few amens. <laughs> Not everybody's saying amen. You may be saying, what? what are, you are you kidding me? Never. Never question your, wife, your wife's judgment. Is that true? You heard me right. And the reason is simple. Look at who she married. <laughs> Think about it for a moment, all right? When you're ready to question her judgment, look in the mirror and think, wow, she's got great judgment. It's still relatively early in the new year. The credit card statements will soon be sent, O ye bearer of good news, Pastor Paul. Thanks for the encouraging warning. I would venture to say that there are some in our family that overspent this Christmas season. You would admit, my spending got away from me. Don't raise your hand, but did anyone buy a present for yourself? Don't raise your hand. I remember when my boys were young, a few years ago, I bought them a present. And uh, it, was a, it was a racetrack that was similar to the one that I got when I was a kid. And by the looks of things, when, when I played it with them, it looked like that gift was for me. They didn't like it that much. <laughs> I bought myself a Christmas present and put my kids' names on it. But none of you would stoop that low, right? That PlayStation for little jo Joey, that's for little jo Joey, right? Be honest, you might have bought it for yourself. Back to the credit card statement. When we open it, there's a feeling of regret. Why did I buy that? I couldn't afford it. I'm going to pay for it for a long time. I'll remember it in July when I'm still making the credit card payment. We all know what it feels like to have some kind of regret in and with our finances. I know I do. We're thinking, I wish I would have given more this past year to the Lord and his work through his church. Do you have that kind of regret? I wish I'd have given more. Or I wish I had more. Maybe your finances are in trouble. You just can't seem to get a handle on them. Tom and I didn't, didn't talk. He, he, he doesn't know that I'm going to be preaching on money for the next two Sundays, but what a, you know, a great announcement for giving. Not just an announcement, but when he, he gave that short teaching about giving. It was outstanding. My prayer is that we would let God take a problem if, if we have a problem in dealing with our finances. If that's the case, and turn that into an opportunity to learn and grow. And through obedience to whatever he reveals 
and speaks to us to do, that we will experience the beginning of a revival in our finances. If that's what you need, I believe that that can happen in this season. Or maybe you're just at a place where you need to hear a timely word on what the Lord has to say about money. Again, we can all learn. I'm not a financial planner or any kind of expert in that field. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. I haven't been given that gifting. That's not an ability that the Lord has given me. But there are some here, the Lord has blessed you with that ability. And it's, it's great. It's, it's okay to have that ability to produce wealth. But don't forget God. Even though I'm not an expert in finances, I do desire to learn from Jesus because he talked a lot about money. I believe over half of his parables, maybe not quite half, refer to finances in some way. So like I said, I'm going to take the next two Sundays and read an intriguing story that Jesus told about money. It's a great story. It'll make your head spin. You'll scratch your head going, wow, what, what did I just hear Jesus say? And when, what does he mean? It's one of those kind of stories. It's a great story. But before we get into the story, in addition, I want to share some good news. As a church, we're in the black. We ended 2014 in the black. That's great news. Praise the Lord. It's great news. So we just want to give God thanks for the continued faithfulness on, on the part of God's people who do exactly what Tom was talking about, who can't wait to just give an offering through the church of Jesus Christ to see his mission advance into the whole earth. This is the greatest investment that one can make in the body of Christ. Should have had at least one amen for, for, for that. It really is. So my motivation today is in talking about money is not out of desperation. I had this, this planned in my heart. And so I want you to turn with me or click on your mobile device or just read on the screen, Luke 16, verses 1 through 15. I have a title for the series. It's this. It's a matter of trust. That's the title. When it comes to money, Jesus tells this story or a parable. It's called the parable of the shrewd man manager. That it's a matter of trust. Regardless of how much money we have, if we have a little money or a lot of money, if we're in a deficit or in a surplus, the bottom line is trust. 
It's all about trust. That's the point Jesus drives home at the end of the story. So I want to begin our story near the end and then work our way back to the beginning. Here's what I want you to do. If you can now, if you have a hard copy in your Bible, I want you to underline, I want you to circle, I want you to highlight these words. Trust, trusted, trustworthy. They are used five times in three verses because trust, that's the bottom line. Verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. D. James Kennedy tells a story of a man who came to Peter Marshall. He's a former chaplain of the United States Senate. With a concern about tithing, he said, I have a problem. I've been tithing for some time. It wasn't so bad when I was making $20,000 a year. I could afford $2,000. But you see, now I'm making $500,000. And there's just no way that I can afford to give away $50,000 a year. Dr. Marshall reflected on this wealthy man's dilemma, but gave no advice. He simply said, yes, sir, I see that you do have a problem. I think we ought to pray about it right now. Okay. The man agreed. So Dr. Marshall bowed his head and prayed with boldness and authority. Here's his prayer. He said, dear Lord, this man has a problem, and I pray that you will help him. Lord, reduce his salary back to the place where he can afford to tithe. Oh, he should have read this verse. This guy was on the road. Because Jesus said, if you can be trusted with very little, you can be trusted with a lot. Sometimes we, we wish, Lord, I wish I had more money. I'd give more. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't give more. I know that about myself. I would give exactly what I'm giving now. If you have little or much, Jesus said, if you're faithful, faithful with the little, it will carry over. Verse 11. So if you have not been trustworthy, circle that word. Highlight it. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? It's the bottom line, trust. With that in mind, let's go to the beginning of the, the story and read the parable. 
I started kind of in the middle. I wanted to begin with the end in mind. So here's the story that Jesus told. It's a fascinating story. You've read this story. I I love this story. He told his disciples, verse 1. Verse 14, you'll see later, that the Pharisees were listening to this story. He kind of really nails the, the Pharisees because you'll see what kind of heart they had. I believe the disciples were were open. They were teachable. They were saying, Jesus, teach us. The Pharisees, on the other hand, would sneer when they listened to this story. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. Verse 4. There's probably some space between verses 3 and and 4 as as he tries to figure out, What am I going to do? But he comes up with this idea. He said, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. He's talking about temporal things. I'm going to get into this a little bit more next week. Jesus takes the temporal and he moves it to the eternal. You'll see that connection if you read and study the parable. He does it later on. But this guy just cares about what's going to happen to to him in the temporal. What am I going to do? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. Maybe he had a two-week notice. Doesn't say. But he had some time. The rich man whose possessions he wasted didn't say, you're fired right now. Out of here. He gave him some time. So he called in one of the master's debtors. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him. (laughs) He still had power and authority. Not for long. Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. He cut it in half. Then he asked the second, And how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. He replied, he told him, take your bill and make it 800. Well, what's the percent on that? I don't even know quick math. Is that 25% off? See, I'm I'm not very good with finances. I'm I'm trying to work the numbers. But he he gave him a deal. Not as good as the first guy, but not bad. Verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Hmm. That's that's an interesting verse, isn't it? I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. 
so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. We're going we're gonna to look at that next week. What's he really saying there? Then he goes on to the verse that we just read. Who, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, etc., etc. Then he gets to the end. Verse 13, do you see it there? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts, and he knows my heart, and he knows your heart. What people value highly I think what Jesus is saying is if you love money, that is detestable in God's sight. It's an interesting story. Wow. Is Jesus really saying to be dishonest in our financial dealings? Is that what he means? I'm a little confused. Do you feel any tension stirring inside you? If you do, then you're right where Jesus wants you to be. One of the reasons he told parables was to grab your attention and create tension. Just like the parable before this one. The exact kind of feeling took place. You remember in the context... This is Luke 16, 1 through 15. Right before that is Luke 15. And he tells the parable of the prodigal son. You know the story. What kind of father would do what that father did after all that kid did to his dad? He comes home. And the father kills the fatted calf, puts a ring on his finger and a robe around his shoulders and has a party. That's crazy. No, that's how much God loves me, a prodigal. That he has a party for me. When I came to my senses and repented of my sin, that story there, right before this story, this parable, created tension. And this one does too. I know you're struggling with this verse. I did. Kind of still do. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. Jesus calls him a dishonest manager. He acted shrewdly. That word even sounds sinister, doesn't it? Shrewd. Shyster. For the people of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are people of the light. The parable 
is an attention grabber. Create tension, grab attention. It would be like me saying in earshot of all the Green Bay fans before kickoff today, did you hear about Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys? You know what he did? He bought Lambeau Field, and then he sold all the tickets to all the fans in Dallas, and he flew them all to Green Bay. He's making an away game a home game. Now, the Green Bay Packer fans here would be an uproar, right? You can't do that. That's against the law. No way. Say way. Yeah, he did it. It caused an uproar. Where's Paul Hansen at? He probably already stomped out of here. But I got your attention, right? You're listening to me. That's all Jesus did. He had their attention. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Jerry Jones, but he's probably shrewd. Got your attention. He probably has a lot to say about money. Jesus has our attention. What's going on here? If you look carefully at the story, you got to do this. It's not the manager's dishonesty that is commended. You can't get around the fact that this guy's a crook. That's what makes the story so intriguing. It's not his dishonesty that's commended. Rather, it is his shrewdness. Look it up in the dictionary. It's not a bad word. It means prudence, wisdom in planning for his future well-being. By definition, I looked it up, shrewdness means shyster. No. <laughs> Look it up on your phone. It means astute, prudent. He had one last chance, since we're using a football analogy. Shrewd means knowing what to do. He had to score a touchdown and how to do it. These are the plays that I'm counting on. And then doing it, execution. This guy pulled it off. It was a 98-yard winning touchdown drive with less than two minutes in the game. He did it. Before he was stripped of all of his authority and power to make and execute decisions, he did it. And that's what he was commended for. So there's three kingdom truths about money in this parable. Obviously, We know this isn't the only thing the Bible has to say about money, but I think it's fundamental. Money is a trust. It's all in the story and in the explanation that Jesus gives. Money is a tool. 
Money's a test. Behind each statement, there's a question. I didn't put the, the question on the screen. But I'll make the statement and then ask the question, and it's a question that we need to, to answer for ourselves, not for somebody else, for me. Money is a trust question. Am I trustworthy? Not my neighbor, but me. Money is a tool question. Am I using the tool wisely? Three, money is a test question. Am I passing the test? Or what grade would I receive? Money is a trust. A steward is a manager of someone else's property. I'm a steward. I don't own anything. See, if I don't own anything, then I don't love it. If I don't own anything, then I love God more than I love money, more than I love what money can do, more than I love what money can buy, if I love God supremely. Money simply is a trust, and I'm a steward. And as a steward, though, listen, because we can kind of get riding high on our horse and thinking that, oh, I got this down. Well, I don't know if I have it down because if I'm a steward, I have responsibility to steward that, that which God blesses me with, right? And thirdly, I'll be held accountable. Therefore, I will use God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. That's next week. Secondly, money is a tool. He used this tool. He assessed his situation. Verse 3, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taken away my job. He was forced to do it. He had to do it. But we can do that now. No matter what stage of life we're in, we can make assessment financially. Deanna and I did this recently. I'll give you the, the real short, short, short version of it. We made some changes with our finances as a result of our assessment. I love how the Lord speaks to us. Just very gently. And, and he's got a word. Sometimes that word comes forceful, but many times in my life, it's just the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And it was, it was spirit to spirit. I remember where I was at when he, when he whispered this in my spirit. This word was incredibly simple but convicting. Here it is. And after I share this word, I know I'm going to work for a financial advisor <laughs> with this incredible insight. I just know. I know it's going to happen. 
Pastor Paul's, he's done preaching. He's going to be a financial advisor. Here it is, spend less. <laughs> Give more. Save more. Live free. That's a good word. It's simple for a guy like me to understand. So we started a journey to do that. We had to make some hard choices, but good choices. What financial facts are you willing or maybe unwilling to face? What adjustments do you need to make today to be prepared for tomorrow? We need to be brutally honest with ourselves. Here's what the facts say as a result of our assessment. He, made, he had a quick assessment, all right, but he made it nonetheless. I want you to see that. With a few clicks, there it is. When we begin to, in our financial transactions, I use now, I don't know exactly how long I've been using it, but you know, he's quicken. I mean, if, and if you, you know, use your credit card, use, you know, your check card, and you just make the transaction in the program. Here's what I discovered. Facts don't lie. <laughs> the percentages are right there. You spent this percentage on this. I was going, wow, Lord, is this true? I didn't even need to have God speak to me because the facts already did. It was right there. Some of you need to cut up the credit cards and learn to live on a budget and within your means. You'll be free when you do that. God will help you get out of that, the, the hole that you're in. Maybe you're going to find out, if you're, if you're listening to the Lord, that you really like money. And it's turning into a love affair. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. You have to ask God, do I love money, God, more than I love you? Money is a tool, secondly, or trust. Money is a tool. Verse 4, he had a plan. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. He made a plan. He had an assessment. In accordance to the assessment, he came up with this plan. One way that we can have a plan is to use a budget. Do you have a budget? If you don't have a budget, you probably don't have a plan. 
A budget is telling your money where you want it to go rather than wondering where it went. I know, I know. Budgets are a hassle. But they really do work if you don't give up on them and keep at it. One, two, three, start over. We can do this. I used to think that sincere, heartfelt wishing was a plan. (laughs) You know what I mean. Wishing is not a plan. Wishing is fishing in the Dead Sea. Wishing won't change anything. I wish I gave more. You won't give more if that's all we do is wish. This guy here was a man of action. He assessed his situation. Here's the deal. Then he came up with a plan. Quick, where's the phone? I have to start talking to some of my creditors or my boss's, former boss's creditors. And then he what? He worked the plan. And that is what he was commended for. Not his dishonesty, but his shrewdness. He got right on it. Thirdly, he acted quickly as a tool. Verses 5 through 7. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? You remember what he said. Point, he didn't procrastinate. He took action. When it comes to managing what God has entrusted to us today, today. Do it today. Not one of these days. Do you know that one of these days means none of these days? One of these days I'm going to do that. That means none of these days. This guy may not be the greatest role model, but the one thing he was, he was a man of action. He had a plan, and then he worked and executed the plan immediately. He didn't have time to spare. And friends, we don't have time to spare. You don't have time to figure this thing out. Because we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. I will stand before the Lord and give an account of what he's blessed me with. You will give an account. So today's the day of action to do the right thing if need be, to ask the questions, to make the assessments, to do something today that would say, God, I, I, I heard you in your word. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a budget. I don't know how to do that. I hate doing it. Seems like I always fail when I do it. Can't quite get it figured out. Someone will help you. I want to give more. Stop wishing and start doing, right? What what are you going to do about that? Start with a percentage. Give God the first offering. 
Maybe that's 2%. Maybe that's 3%. Maybe that's 25%. This guy was a man of action, and that's why he was commended. I'm going to ask Donnie to come. We have a few minutes just to do some business with the Lord. What's the Lord saying to you in this story? Read it again. Study it. There's so much in that story. We're going to look at it again next week. I'm going to have you stand with me. If you'll just stand. Let's do business with the Lord. pray it's all about trust Lord we want to be found faithful trustworthy so what is it Lord that you're saying to us today we want to be obedient by the power of your spirit we want to make some changes today God Just tell the Lord what it is that you feel that he wants you to do as a result of his word. Just go ahead and just speak that out to the Lord, whatever it is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayers. By your spirit, enable us to bring you glory by being obedient. God's people said, amen, amen. We're going to ask the uh, prayer team if they'll come forward today, and uh, you can come forward. If there's some things that the Lord's been speaking to you, you just want to come to the altar and and, uh, lay them all at the foot of the cross, you can do that. You're going to spend some time there, the quietness of your own seat. God bless you. You are dismissed.